0: And now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show! Carry on my way son! There'll be peace when you are done! Lay your weary head to rest! Don't you cry, Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to Lupa's Bits, episode 16. I am, as it was toted last week, the hostess with the mostest, Lupa, otherwise known as Stephanie J. Party. So, oh, good grief. Of course I start and the heater in the bathroom comes on. How have you all been this week? Um, If you're living in Ontario, you're cold. And wet, because that's all it's been doing, is raining and getting cold and miserable and horrible and awful. And it was just Thanksgiving on the weekend, on the 10th, 11th, I don't know. We celebrated on the Saturday um, in our little bubble. And um, everybody stayed outside, because so, I think we're most... well the entire province is back to 10 people inside, 25 people outside for private gatherings. Um, and we were, we were supposed to be 11, so we were going to stay outside, but we were under 11. We were like nine because two people didn't come. Um, they had a long distance to come anyway. So, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, it was not the Thanksgiving that I was used to. I was used. To, I'm used to you know, 20 plus people, and that's just my immediate family. Uh, but it was uh, it was good. Uh, we had deep fried turkey. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Oh my! I, mm. That's all I can say. Deep fried turkey. You, if you haven't tried it. You gotta try it. Don't deep fry it in your kitchen. Just saying. Do it outside in a clearing away from anything that is flammable, and make sure your bird is dry. Do not put a wet bird in hot grease. Just don't. Just don't. Um, yeah, it was really good. Everybody brought something, and um, it was very reminiscent of, you know, the old harvest meals where the community would come together. And generally, back in the day, and on the the path that I follow, there are three harvests, three harvest um, festivals. There is one in August, one in September, and then of course the last and final one in October. And the one in August is the first harvest, obviously. And the one in October is the final harvest when you are now preparing for the long months of winter. And a lot of Of traditions, they would make um, they would call corn dollies or um, little talismans out of the hay from the fields or bread, and they would keep that talisman with them throughout the cold winter months. And when the time of freezing to death or starvation had passed, they would throw said talisman into the fire because they had made it past. The winter and it was coming around to the time when they would be able to hunt again and when there would be fresh berries growing and, um, wild, you know, wild meat that they could catch fish that they could catch. And they would be sowing the crops in the fields in the spring, getting ready for growth in the summer. So we did, um, what, within our tradition, we did what we call the Corn King, and do a little Google history, look it up. I'm not going to explain, go into great detail about the Corn King. Um, It's a very (laughs) sacred thing, I guess you'd say. Um, And everybody that was in attendance wrote letters, and we write letters to our loved ones that have passed over. We write letters to our ancestors. We, um, You can write letters to forgive a debt. Usually when you're, you're writing a letter to forgive a debt, it's not a financial debt. It's an emotional debt. You can write letters to ask for help in areas of your life. Um, they're very personal. They're very private. And you are the only person that you and you know, the Almighty are the only people that know what is in that letter. And they're placed in the corn king, and then they are burned in the fire. Yes, we burn the corn king. It is a um, scapegoat. It's, It's a sacrificial scapegoat, so to speak. Now, if you follow history, when an area was having a hard time and crops weren't growing, they would sacrifice the king. The king must die for the crops to grow. That was how it was. And I can't remember which king it was. I should have, if I had have actually thought this far in advance and and into this in depth, because I wasn't actually going to share this. Um, I would have had the king's name and everything. There was one king. He was a smart king. And he decided, let's burn an effigy instead. Let's not burn me, let's burn an effigy. And that is actually where the term scapegoat came from. So, every fall, they would burn this king made out of corn stalks and straw and hay, the corn king. And they would burn that as an offering to ensure that they had good crops and... Um, favorable weather in the spring and the summer to feed the community. And that tradition kind of fizzled out and, um, you know, they stopped doing that. But a lot of alternative religions still honour that tradition in um, a symbolic corn king. Like, we don't go out into the fields, we're not... I mean, everybody has a little garden or something, but... You know, it's not like it used to be where they were the big community fields and everybody worked in the fields and they had their family farms and they came together as a community and ate, shared that, that meal and gave thanks for what they had been given and um, the bounty that they had received and the food that was going to carry them through the dark times, which is the winter. Now... I'll give you a little history lesson on, uh, Thanksgiving in Canada because it's, it's not, we don't have Thanksgiving. Like you guys have Thanksgiving, like the Americans have Thanksgiving. It's like a totally different thing. Um, Thanksgiving in Canada. I'm gonna I'm just gonna read you this article. Now this is from the Canadian Encyclopedia.ca and the article is written by Andrew David Mills, Laura McIntosh, and Nilsson Bonakowski. And it was published online july fifth, twenty nineteen. Okay, so the first official annual Thanksgiving in Canada was celebrated on sixth november eighteen seventy nine though Indigenous peoples in Canada have a history of celebrating the fall harvest that predates the arrival of European settlers. Sir Martin Frobisher and his crew are credited as the first Europeans to celebrate a Thanksgiving ceremony in North America in 1578. They were followed by the inhabitants of New France under Samuel de Champlain in 1606. Now, if you do a little history... um, As most of you know, I lived in Midland, and um, St. Marie among the Hurons is right there. So, Samuel de Champlain is greatly connected to St. Marie among the Hurons. But I digress. The celebration featuring the uniquely North American turkey, squash, and pumpkin was introduced to Nova Scotia in 1750 and became common across Canada by the 1870s. In Now, Pay attention. In 1957, 1957, in some of y'all's lifetime, in 1957, Thanksgiving was proclaimed an annual event to occur on the second Monday of October. It is an official statutory holiday in all provinces and territories, except Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. Go figure. Now, the origin and history of Thanksgiving in Canada. Indigenous peoples in North America have a history of holding communal feasts in celebration of the fall harvest that predates the arrival of European settlers. The Smithsonian Institute has noted that some First Nations sought to ensure a good harvest with dances and rituals. The European settlers brought with them a similar tradition of harvest celebrations for which the symbol was the cornucopia or Horn of Plenty, which dates back to to European peasant societies. Waha! That was hard to say. The first Thanksgiving by Europeans in North America was held by Sir Martin Frobisher and his crew in the Eastern Arctic in 1578. They ate a meal of salt beef, biscuits, and mushy peas. Ugh. To celebrate and give thanks for their safe arrival in what is now none of it—that's in Canada. They celebrated communion with formally express and formally expressed their thanks through the ship's chaplain, Robert Woolf, who, according to explorer Richard Collinson, made unto them a godly sermon, exhort. Ex- exhorting them especially to be thankful to God for their strange and miraculous deliverance in those so dangerous places. In 1606, an attempt to prevent the kind of scurvy epidemic that had decimated the settlement in Ile-Saint-Croix in the winter of 1604-05, Samuel de Champlain founded a series of rotating feasts at Port Royal called... uh, the Odre de Bonton, Order of Good Cheer. Local Micmac families were also invited. Those are Native Americans. The first feast was held on the 14th of November, 1606, to celebrate the return of John de Binecourt to... Good grief! Why did I not read this before I read it to you? ...de Putrecourt from an expedition. Having attended the festivities... Mark Lescabot remarked that they consisted of a feast, a discharge of musketry, and as much noise as could be made by some 50 men joined by a few Indians whose families served as spectators. Sounds like a party to me. That was 17 years before what is often recognized as the first American Thanksgiving the Pilgrim's celebration of their first harvest in Massachusetts in 1621, which was actually predated by several similar events in the New England colonies by at least 14 years. This prototypical Thanksgiving feast featuring the uniquely North American turkey, squash, and pumpkin was introduced in Nova Scotia in the 1750s. The citizens of Halifax commemorated the end of the Seven Years' War in 1763 with a day of Thanksgiving, The Loyalists subsequently brought the celebration to other parts of the country. The first national Thanksgiving in Canada was celebrated in the province of Canada in 1859. Yes, the province of Canada in 1859. It was organized at the behest of the leaders of the Protestant clergy, who appropriated the holiday of American Thanksgiving. There, it's been said. There you go which was first observed in 1777 and established as a national day of public thanksgiving and prayer in 1789. In Canada, the holiday was intended for the public and solemn recognition of God's mercies. As historian Peter Stevens has noted, some citizens objected to this government request, saying it blurred the distinction between church and state that was so important to many Canadians. The first Thanksgiving after Confederation was observed on 5th April 1872. Yes, April. A national civic holiday, rather than a religious one, it was held to celebrate the recovery of the Prince of Wales. Yay! Later, King Edward the five, six, seventh from an illness. Thanksgiving was first observed as an annual event in Canada on the 6th of November 1879, the date for which for each of the following years as well as a unifying theme for which to give thanks usually concerning the harvest though anniversaries l- related to the british monarchy were also common which determined was determined annually by parliament the holiday occurred as late in the year as the 6th of december and even coincided several times with american thanksgiving the most popular date to observe thanksgiving was the 3rd monday in october when the fall weather was generally still amen- amenable to outdoor activities. Okay. Beginning in 1921, yes, 1921, Thanksgiving and Armistice Day, introduced in 1919, were celebrated on the same day. The first Monday in the week of 11 November In order to give more recognition to veterans, November 11th was set solely as Remembrance Day in 1931. Thanksgiving was again proclaimed annually and typically observed on the second Monday in October. It was not until the 31st of January 1957 that Parliament proclaimed the observance of the second Monday in October as the Day of General Thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. E.C. Drury, the former Farmer Premier of Ontario, lamented later that the farmers' own holiday has been stolen by the towns to give them a long weekend when the weather was better. Yeah? Thanksgiving is an official statutory holiday in all provinces and territories except Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. It is called Action de Grâce in Quebec and is celebrated, I know I butchered that, please my French listeners do not come at me, and is celebrated to a much lesser extent there than in the rest of the country, given the holidays, Protestant origins, and Anglo-nationalist associations. The main differences among the other provinces tend to concern the dishes that are served Uh, I lost where I was going. The main difference among the other provinces tend to concern the dishes that are served with the meal. For example, Jigs dinner is often preferred over Turkey in Newfoundland. Pumpkin pie is a common dessert nationally, but there are also regional favorites, such as Nanaimo bars in British Columbia and butter tarts in Ontario or pecan pie, which I made. Some have argued that the ceremony of giving thanks celebrated by Sir Martin Frobisher was not a real Thanksgiving. The argument stems from the reason for giving thanks, that the holiday can only be associated with the celebration of the harvest. Europeans who brought the tradition to North America did mark the day by giving thanks for a successful harvest. However, the Canadian and American holidays are no longer restricted to harvest activities and have become a day for gathering family to give thanks for their general well-being. In that sense, one might observe that the tradition has come full circle. So, there is your history lesson on Canadian Thanksgiving. And yes, I'll say it again. We might have appropriated it from the Americans. And I can hear a little American in my head right now going, USA! USA! (laughs) Anyway. Um, So yeah, we had Thanksgiving um, on Saturday and it was none of my blood family and it was none of of um the people that I live with it wasn't their blood family it was our chosen family and um i did do a zoom call on sunday which would have been my family thanksgiving i did a zoom call with my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law and my niece and my nephew and my brother and his girlfriend and their two kids um And then my daughter in law popped in with um, my son, popped in momentarily, and uh, my daughter. um, And we'll get into that because you can probably tell by the tone of my voice that um, I'm a little emotional about that. And that will, we will discuss the not so good, very bad week in a moment. But uh, the Thanksgiving dinner was your traditional. Thanksgiving dinner. We had deep fried turkey, which is actually a southern thing, but um, it's kind of moved north into southern Ontario. (laughs) So it's still a southern thing. It's just more northern southern than southern southern. Um, And we had, you know, your honeyed ham with the pineapple and we had squash and we had Buns, and we had um, green beans. It wasn't green bean casserole, but we had green beans and corn. You have to have corn. That's it's corn. Actually, is a useless vegetable. There is no nutrients in corn whatsoever. Um, and the fact that it actually reforms inside you is, is kind of strange. I know it. I know it doesn't actually reform. There's like a whole gross scientific reason why it looks like it reforms, but, um, yeah, you have to have corn, you know, it's the harvest. Um, and then there was pumpkin pie and I made a pecan pie for dessert and wine. There was wine. There was a bottle of wine that went around the table. Um, and we had a huge bonfire. It was lovely. So we spent the entire day outside. So by nine o'clock that night, everybody was just done. <laughs> we had been outside pretty much since, um, I think I went over to the big house at 11. And we were back and forth in and out doing stuff, prepping for the day, prepping for the corn king, um, cause we built him that day. We created him and we killed him that day. <laughs> it's <was> great. <laughs> no, we're not a little weird at all. Um, and I, I was kind of bummed at the beginning of the day because I wasn't spending it with my family. I wasn't going to get to see my brother. I wasn't going to get to see my sister. I wasn't seeing my kids. I wasn't seeing my grandkids or anything. I wasn't seeing my mom. And I think this there's only been in the 48 Thanksgivings that I have had, there have been three, and this is the third, three Thanksgivings without my mom. Um, yeah, wow. Hmm. See, my, my ex, his mom and, um, well, his mom died before we got together, so it was never a matter of we spend one holiday with his family, one holiday with my family. It was always my family. So, yeah, there's only three Thanksgivings, and this is, this is one of them that I've spent without my mom or my siblings. Um, but by the time the afternoon came and Karen showed up and Mark was here and their two kids were here and Mike and Serena and everybody, we were all here and I kind of looked around and I was thankful because I wasn't alone on Thanksgiving. And this is you. Oh, good grief. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) I have been trying to do that for 20 minutes now since before I started this podcast and I've been interrupted a few times with the sneeze. I get, you know, you get to just like right there to the point where you're going to sneeze. And then it goes, nope, I'm sorry. It's like, sneezes interrupt us. It's awful. Oh, okay. Where was I? Right, carry on. All right. Because I know that my, my, my producer is going to leave that sneeze in because he seems to think they're cute. Anyway, I'm just going to carry on. Um,. I was thankful that I wasn't alone. I was thankful that I was surrounded by chosen family and friends and that there was laughter and there was um, joy and, and that, that sense of belonging, that sense of family. Um, and in, in today's climate, in today's atmosphere, in, in what's going on and the restrictions that we're all under, Just being able to share a meal with somebody outside of the people that live in your house is an incredible thing. Whether it's family, whether it's chosen family, whether it's a friend, whatever. It's a really incredible thing to be able to do that, to sit down at a table with other people. Um, Now, I mean, I live in a trailer and crystal and her husband are in the big house and we will share a couple of meals together a week um we'll share like dinner together on friday night and saturday night but for the most part i eat sunday to thursday by myself um i I'm, I'm actually getting to be a very good cook <laughs> I must say i can i can fry a steak and that puppy still moves and is good Um, I'm really good at scrambling eggs with a variety of different ingredients in it. Um, but yeah, like I, I eat dinner by myself most of the time. I eat lunch by myself watching some lately. It's been supernatural reruns because they're winding down the final season. And I just, I can't, I can't, I'm not prepared for that yet. I'm not ready for that yet. So I've started (laughs) rewatching. Fourteen seasons again! <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, I think the 18th time I've done this now. Um, I think in the two years that my producer has known me, this is probably the fourth or fifth time that I have rewatched the Supernatural um, series. Anyway. Yeah. Generally, it just runs, and it's kind of background noise while I'm cooking, because I've seen every single one of them. I know most of them off by heart, and I mean, I even watch the bad ones. Yes, I watch bugs. Um, You have to, because it's just so bad. You have to watch it. It's so bad, it's good. You have to watch it. Anyway, so that's that's the noise, and I'm not, like, I'm not begrudging it or anything. I I don't mind being alone. That was something that I have learned um, since our separation in July. I have learned to be comfortable alone with my own company. And, and um, for the most part, I'm okay. I can do stuff. I watch stuff. I, you know read, I write, I do what I do. I work, uh, because a lot of my work is is computer-based. I go out, I do whatever. I am comfortable with my company, except for this week. Now, I don't know how to word this exactly without... Um, without alienating anybody, without um, pointing fingers or pointing blame, which is really, really hard for me to do because that is exactly what was done to me. Um, I it fully expected there to be anger with the separation. I fully expected that. I mean, you know, my ex and I had separated 18 years ago um, under different circumstances, and I take full responsibility for that. I kind of blindsided him um, with that. There was no thought, there was no... Um, When the situation was discussed with my therapist, and there's been a few over the years, but um, my recent therapist, who I had started talking to in January... um, January? Yeah, I started talking to her in January. I made contact with her just after Christmas and started talking with her in January. Uh, When we discussed the initial separation 18 years ago, um, it was kind of figured out through me discussing the emotional state that I was in, um, what I was feeling, what I was going through. I kind of had a breakdown, basically. It was um, an emotional breakdown. And uh, I'm not trying to justify what I did. I mean, I I left my kids. I left my husband. I just left. And um, didn't just, like you know, go and live with my mom or move a couple of towns away. I completely fled the country. (laughs) Gone. Off I went. Um, And I was gone for two and a half years. And I came back. And my ex and I um I thought worked things out and spent the next sixteen years raising our kids, doing our thing. And in hindsight looking back, um yeah, we raised our kids. And we did our thing, but we did our things separately. Um, I had my spiritual path. He didn't quite know where he fit or what he believed. Um, I did my thing. He did his thing. And, you know, every now and again, we'd come together and do something together. And our marriage broke down years and years and years ago. And we just kind of got comfortable with the way things were. And then um, I went away in January with my mom on a road trip. And I had been away a couple of times up until then uh, for a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. I spent a lot of time at my sister's. And that time away had given me a lot of time to think. And in that process, um, I've always been honest with you guys. I've always told you, um, I've never really hidden anything or any part of me. Um, during the time that I had spent at my sister's, um, I think it was in the summer. I think my daughter had gotten a hold of my old cell phone and had found an inappropriate conversation. I'll own that an inappropriate conversation between a friend of mine that I had known forever and myself. Um, and I'm not going to make excuses. It was an inappropriate conversation. There were extenuating circumstances around that entire conversation. Um, more or less telling a friend a bedtime story that was taken out of context because only certain parts of the conversation were read. Um, and that was presented to my ex, and we had a conversation about it. We, I thought, dealt with it. And that is when I agreed to go to counseling because I was told I was broken. Yeah. Um, that's a word that I have been um, labeled with most of my life. It's broken. Uh, damaged. Damaged, that's a good one. Damaged, yeah. Every every time somebody says to me, oh, you're damaged, I think of um, you know, have you ever seen the Ace Ventura movie? And he's delivering the package um, to, he's, he's going to rescue this dog because he's a pet detective and he's got this package and he's throwing it around and he's kicking it down the hallway and bouncing it off the walls and this and that and everything else. And every time somebody says to me, you know, oh, you're damaged. I picture myself as that package, you know, being kicked down the hall by Ace Ventura. Um, And I was told that everything was okay. And I convinced myself that everything was okay. Um, That because I was damaged and broken, that's why I wasn't happy. I do have to admit, I had an incredible therapist. Um, She asked more questions than she analyzed. And in asking those questions, and I had a friend who has an annoying habit of doing that as well, Um, instead of telling me this is what's wrong, this is what you need to do, this is what your thought patterns are, she would ask questions and I would work out in my own head through my own answering of those questions, and I mean I was full on completely honest with her, I was probably more honest with her than I have ever even been with myself and um, we dealt with a lot of things and discovered that I still have a lot of work to do. I still have a long way to go. And that there are stuff, there are things in my past, like I discussed, um, two episodes ago that I don't think I'm ever going to heal from, that I don't think I'm ever going to be okay with. And what I got from that was it's okay for me to, not be okay with that stuff um and because I'm not okay it causes certain behaviors now I am aware of what those behaviors are and um make a conscious choice to not partake in those behaviors And I guess the point that I'm trying to make is I was willing, because I was told I was damaged, I was told I was broken, that I had a problem, and I needed to get therapy to get fixed, and then everything would be okay. I would be happy, my marriage would be fine, and everything would be sunshine and freaking rainbows. Nope was not sunshine and freaking rainbows because you can't be part of a partnership. You can't be part of a team. You can't be part of a relationship and be the only one doing the work. And I was the only one doing the work. Um, My ex was not interested in pursuing counseling for himself, pursuing counseling for us as a couple. And you reach a point in that where you just have to throw your hands up and go, okay, well, I'm going this way over here. You can stay there because that's pretty much what you've done is you've sat down, crossed your arms, crossed your legs, and put on a pout and went, nope, I'm not budging. And... That's when I made the decision to leave. If he wasn't going to put in an effort, then there was there was nothing. There was no salvaging anything because there was nothing to salvage. And that brings me to what has happened recently. And what has given me the not-so-good, very-bad week. Um, I got attacked, and yeah, I say attacked because it came completely out of left field. I thought I was on an even keel with my kid, with my daughter. You know, what took her out for her birthday. We had a great time. You know, I messaged her. She doesn't message me, but, you know, I try, and I talk to her every once in a while, and... You know, I get updates from her dad on how she's doing and what's going on. And I get this message from her um, on Sunday. And I guess about a month ago, I noticed that um, my oldest child was no longer my Facebook friend. I thought, okay, and I talked to my ex about it, and, you know, I understood he was, he was angry, he was having a hard time with the separation, um, I got that, I didn't realize how much of a hard time um, my ex informed me, well, first my daughter informed me um, as to why My son, my oldest, was not speaking to me. I didn't realize he wasn't speaking to me. Um, I knew he was upset with me, but I didn't realize that he was completely just not speaking to me. And uh, so that kind of hit me out of left field. And then um, she hit me with a few other things that her father had told me her dad had told me these things and she's coming at me with them and accusing me of saying these things and spreading these these rumors and i'm 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 sitting here looking at my phone going your father told me these things why is he not saying anything to you so She asked me not to say anything this was between me and her. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 Mm -mm. not even maybe I am still the parent. I am still the adult. Even though she's an adult now, too, I got 28 years on her. I am still the parent. You will not speak to me like that at all. Uh, No, I'm not going to allow it. And her father shouldn't have allowed it either. And at first I thought, you know, normal. He didn't know because that's his, his, um, that's his go-to. Oh, I didn't know. I was unaware. The two are fused at the hip. I, I don't understand how he is unaware of anything that she does, but, um, and I, I know I sound a little angry and a little bitter and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm angry I am, I'm hurt. Um, but I spoke to him about um, what she had said. And to my utter surprise, I found out that he knew she had come at me with this. And his response was, let it go. Don't keep going on with the baloney. And, and you know, Andrew will come around. No, 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 Andrew. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, You need to straighten this out. And I told him this, that he needs to straighten this out with our children. Because he has created this situation. I have explained to our children what has happened. That our marriage fell apart mutually. That we both played a part in the destruction, the dissolving of our marriage. That we both stopped fighting. That we both um, stopped participating in the relationship. And That he needed to explain that to our son. And he needed to explain that to our daughter. That he is just as much to blame as I am. That he may not have done some of the things that I did, but he played just as much a part as I did. And... When I found out all of this on Sunday, um, I got angry. And, uh... I thought, okay. Whatever. I don't care. They'll get over it. They're adults. They'll get over it. Um... Then I came home Sunday night, and um, after I had the conversation with my ex, I started thinking more about it, and it started playing on me. And up to this point, I had done everything I could to keep things amicable. Um, I. I've done everything I can to not be a financial burden on him. Um, I've taken the abuse from our kids. I have accepted, had accepted the role of bad guy. Because in my mind, I was the one that left. I was the one that broke up the happy home. And yes, I'm doing that with air quotes because it wasn't a happy home. We tiptoed around each other on eggshells. It wasn't a happy home. And, uh... Um... I... I owned that. I owned being the bad guy. I was willing to be the bad guy. Okay. Okay. I'll be the bad guy. I'm used to being the bad guy. I've always been the bad guy. But I'm not. I'm not the bad guy this time. It's not just me. And that started to play on me. And the fact that my kids aren't speaking to me, my kids won't speak to me. That they blame me for this. And my oldest, because this is the second time I have walked out on him. He's done. He's not willing to uh, give me a second chance. And that really, uh, really hit me hard. Um... He's my oldest. He's my firstborn. And, uh... It was the one when I came back, so it seemed, that forgave me first, that allowed me to have that relationship back. And, uh to hear from my ex that my son is done with me because I've abandoned him again um I went into a very 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 dark place and uh 2 days ago um I gave my uh, medications Crystal she came over to check on me she knew the minute she looked at me um, she took them home with her and uh, I pretty much spent two days in bed I don't know if I ate I don't remember I just kind of slept and cried And, uh, I learned something during this week. Oh, hang on. I learned something this week because every time I tried to talk to somebody, and it didn't matter who it was, every time I tried to reach out and talk to somebody about it, um, something would come up and, uh, there would be some catastrophe, in their life happening, and uh, they're like, okay, you know, you go deal with that, I'll be all right, and I mean, it happened with about five people, (laughs) five different people, yeah, I reached out to five different people, and every time I would get to the point where I was going to say, hey, I need some help. I'm not going to get through this by myself. Um, I would get the, hang on, I got to go. Or, you know, hold on, I got to deal with this. Okay. And, you know, because I was in a dark place, that kind of hit me even harder. And, uh, you know, you go through the whole, well, you know, maybe they're just all better off without me. Hence why Crystal took my pills. (laughs) Um, but the night that she took my medication, it was a very long night. And it was probably the darkest night that I'd had, um, since Sunday. And that night was a turning point, actually. Um... I sat at the kitchen table and I was watching it get lighter and lighter and lighter outside. And I'm watching the bunnies come out. We have rabbits running around, wild rabbits. And I was watching them come out. And I have a list of names that when I get... um, If you've ever watched Game of Thrones, Arya had that list of names of people she was going to kill. I have a list of names of um, reasons to stay here, reasons to keep breathing. And some names get taken off, some names get added. um, And I just was running through that list of names. I was sitting here watching. And it kind of dawned on me that it wasn't that I was unimportant to these people, Um, it wasn't that their lives were more valuable than mine. The lesson that I needed to learn out of that was that I could do it on my own. I can stand on my own two feet. I don't need to lean on or depend on somebody to get me through the hard stuff because I've done it already. I've already gotten through some of the most traumatic things in my life on my own. On my own two feet. And I'm still here. And I think whatever, the universe, God, whatever, was just trying to show me that I am a lot stronger than I give myself credit for. And that was a turning point for me. I'm still not you know, back to where I want to be. And I don't think I ever will be because the turning point didn't put me back on the same road that I was already on before all of this happened. You can't, you can't go back to where you were before you hit that bottom. Because if you do, you just end up hitting that bottom again. Um... Kind of set me on a different road, a different path, put me in a different place, a different mindset. And I reevaluated a lot of things. I reevaluated my relationships with people, I reevaluated my own self worth and the importance of that worth to other people. And, um, it's going to take a long time and I will get there, but I'm, I'm stronger than I thought and I've been to that place before. I've been to that dark place before and, uh, I can honestly say this time that turning point, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to that place because I know my own self-worth to myself. And I know my worth to the people on that list. And I know whether they talk to me or not, my kids would miss me. (laughs) But whether they get over it or not, whether they decide to talk to me or not, that's their choice. That's their decision, not mine. It's not something that I did or said. There's not something that I can do or say. I mean, yeah, I'll admit I considered going back. Um, I considered getting a hold of my ex and, and finding out what it would take to make this right because everybody else's happiness was more important than mine. Yeah, I gave my head a shake because in all reality, if I went back, I wouldn't be happy. My ex certainly wouldn't be happy because I wouldn't be happy. And... Our kids would pretend for a while, but they wouldn't be happy either. So going back would be kind of ridiculous. And my heart isn't in there anymore. My heart's not there anymore. And it wouldn't be fair. So, yeah, that was my not-so-good, very-bad week. And I'm recording this on Thursday night. Um, today was a much better day. I uh, Yesterday, I, I got dragged out and um, was pretty much told that if I did not exit this trailer willingly, that um, I was going to be dragged out by my ponytail. <laughs> so it was kind of good that I did... Um, Exit willingly, because I know Crystal, she would have dragged me out by my ponytail. She would have kissed my head better once um, she bounced me down the stairs and dragged me to the car, but, you know, she would have dragged me, and uh, would have been with love. Um, I went out, I went to Giant Tiger, I went, and then we went to the Crazy Dollar Store, and um, we laughed until we cried, pretty much. And, uh, it was good. And then I spent, um, several hours, probably way too many hours, but, uh, several hours talking to, um, somebody that means a whole lot to me and who is a spoiled rotten brat, (laughs) just saying, um, And again, I saw the sun come up. Um, But today was an even better day. Um, And each day will get better and better and better. Uh, I'll still have bad days. I know I'll still have bad days. Can't be human without having a bad day. But I don't think... And I'm not going to say I positively absolutely know I'm never going to be in that position again because there are no absolutes with mental health other than the fact that it's there. (laughs) Um, I cracked a bottle of wine last night feeling kind of, you know, let's drown my sorrows. And it turned into, I enjoyed that glass of, that bottle of wine. It wasn't a glass, it was a big glass. (laughs) But it was a bottle of wine. (laughs) It was just a personal bottle, little skinny ones. Um, I made myself a lovely steak dinner. And watched some Supernatural while I ate my dinner. And, uh, yeah. There was a really low point in my week. That was the day that, uh, uh, the medication was removed. And I, Crystal was over at the trailer and I was kind of talking to Crystal and I was kind of talking to, um, somebody else through text and, um, okay. So I wasn't talking to Crystal. I was kind of crying at Crystal and, uh, she left she let me be for a bit and I see her coming across the yard carrying a box and I had been told there was a package coming for me and I got a little excited I'm like oh she's bringing a box and uh, the box gets in here and it's from the Big Bad Toy Store and if you listen to um, My Public Life as an American Nerd you know the Big Bad Toy Store Because Dave talks about it all the time. So I'm kind of like, okay, what did he do? So she brings the box in. And of course, you know, I'm having a heck of a time trying to get this stupid box open. And I open the box and there's bubble paper. Squee (laughs) Except you can't pop the bubbles on this bubble paper. It doesn't pop, which was rather frustrating. And inside this box was Annabelle. And she came in her little, like, the little case that she's in, in the Warren's little museum thing with the little sign on it that says, Warning, absolutely do not open. And she's got, like, two interchangeable heads. She's got the little note that says, Miss me. Um, And her chair, and her little chair, and she's got, like, the little, little dress on. And, oh, my God, she's, like, absolutely adorable. And she, like... Has coffee with me every morning. She sits beside me. She's uh, on the table in a little box. And Crystal has absolutely banned her from the house. She is not allowed in the house at all. That's fine. She hangs out over here with me. And I opened that box and I saw that doll and I burst into tears. I pretty much, yeah, I cried. I cried. Um, and I didn't understand why he would buy me this this doll there was no reason it wasn't you know i didn't do anything for it and when i asked him why he just said because you are you and that kind of you know the whole doctor seuss you are you and no one can be youer than you um that morning as i was watching the sun come up and i was you know reciting my list of reasons why um I was not going to do anything permanent that I couldn't take back. Um, that kind of was ringing in my head too. I'm me. There's nobody else like me. There will never be anybody else like me. And the world needs me's. World needs as many me's, whether it's you or somebody else. We are all our own persons, and the world needs people like us. So, that kind of helped in the pivotal moment. Um, So, even though she's a creepy doll, and... A lot of people are like, how can you have her just sitting beside you? You know, have you not seen the movie? And I mean, the box is really cool, too, because, like, it's got the pictures of her from the movie. And, you know, I look over and there's like this creepy Annabelle looking at me with that, you know, the the psycho helter-skelter look that she got right before she killed somebody. And it's the Annabelle. Um, I think it's Annabelle. Hold on. Let me look. Let me do it. It's okay. It is... I think it's Annabelle Comes Home. Yes, Annabelle Comes Home. That's what I thought. So, if you've seen the movie, you know how creepy she looks in the movie. Um... But... She didn't creep me out. She kind of... She's a reminder that... I'm not alone. And I won't ever be alone. So... That's why she sits beside me. Because she keeps me company and she uh, reminds me that I am worth something. So, where, holy crap. Okay, so we are an hour into this now, so I'm pretty sure you are done listening to me whine and carry on about my not so good, very bad week and your Canadian history lesson on Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to wrap this up and I will talk to you guys all next week. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to check out our network and listen to the world of myth bits on Monday. And you can catch a special edition, missed edition of my public life as an American nerd on Saturday. And then of course, you know, on his regularly scheduled day on Wednesday, um, And then me on Fridays, Lupus Bits. So, check us out. Find us on Facebook. You can um, find out stuff that I've written on www.theworldofmyth.com. I said that really quick. I kind of slurred all the W's together. No, I have not been drinking, except for water. Uh, Find us on Facebook at Lupus Bits, the podcast, the World of Myth magazine, and... Um, Twitter, Instagram, you can see whatever goofy antics I am up to over on, um, TikTok at Lady Lou Who and sh- <laughs> shameless self-promotion go to Lou Who Baskets, L-U-H-O-O dot dot ca or dot .net and place your order. I do ship to the United States. So, and I ship coast to coast. So, yeah, have a good week, everybody, and I will catch you next week. See ya. Carry on, my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry!